You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 219 with Melissa Sharp. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys. So I'm super excited that um, this is one of the best of episodes. And this comes from a series, a three-part series. So make sure to go listen to this. Um, If you did not hear the series to begin with, um, this episode was original episode 60. So go back to that episode and you can see the other two episodes if you want to listen to the whole series of Leave No Girl Behind. Today, though, we are going to be talking about Mean Girls and Raising Daughters. So if you have not heard Melissa Sharp on the show before, she has daughters that are slightly older than my daughters. So she's walked before me um, because personally, I haven't quite experienced this yet. Um, You know, I don't have the preteen yet, and I don't have the teens. And so um, she does. And also um, she's in ministry and in in her church, and she's just very involved with other um, organizations and talk. And she talks to moms all the time in different walks of life. So she has a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge from talking to all these moms. And that's why I love having her on the show to kind of share that with us. Because if you feel like you're kind of swimming upstream, um, and not knowing what to do with your, you know, daughter's, you know, your, their friend drama and, you know, what, how to handle this, right? What do you do? This is a perfect episode. And so I, the main reason we wanted to do this is so that you guys don't feel alone. Um, cause it can feel challenging. Like if you don't really know how to navigate this. And so, um, make sure to share this with your friends that have daughters and even for the ones that like me who haven't quite hit this phase yet. I feel like this is really good to listen to so that you kind of feel a little bit prepared uh, for when the, this comes down the pipeline. So I hope you guys really enjoy this show. Okay. So my favorite thing today, I'm going to talk about for my favorite thing segment is um, because it's so close to Christmas, um, but you can get this at any time. So I have been making Shutterfly books and ornaments um, for a long time. Shutterfly books for sure, almost 10 years. And then um, I started making metal ornaments um, to have on the tree I think for the past five years. And so even if you listen to this after Christmas, you can still order an ornament. Heck, it might even be on sale. Um, But I wanted to tell you guys before I go on further, I do have a link that you can get a free eight by eight book. That is the kind of book that I make that size. And I also have a link for a free personalized metal ornament. So what I like to do is I like to make... uh, picture books of the girls for the year. And sometimes I have to split it up because there's just too many photos. So I might break it up by the season. And I find that grandparents love these gifts. Um, it's that that way they have a book that they can just look through. And then also my girls love to go back and look through their photo books. They just love sitting on the couch and just kind of going through them. And so I really love making them. I do get behind and then I'm like, oh, I got to catch up. So don't feel shame if you kind of feel behind. Don't worry about that. Just, you know, just carve out time every now and then and just, you know, make some time and and just do it little and often. You know, you don't don't make it like a huge like, oh my gosh, this is never going to work, you know, project because then you won't want to do it. Um and then the ornament, wh- why I wanted to do it is because we get professional pictures. If you don't get professional pictures, you don't need to have professional pictures, but I love to take the professional pictures, the ones I I generally use for our Christmas card, um I change it up over the years. So it's two-sided of of photos. So sometimes I have the front of just the girls and then the back is a family photo or vice versa, family photo in the front and then the back is the girls. And then there's the date. And so my goal is when the kids, you know, are older and then they're having their own tree, they can divvy up the ornaments and they're going to have pictures 
of themselves when they were young and when I was young, let's be honest. Um, and I thought that would just be really fun to have on your tree as an adult later on in life to kind of see yourself and then your kids can see you. Because I feel like kids are always like, well, what did you look like, mommy, when you were little or you're my age? And they can see that. They'll be able to see, oh, you were three. Um, that's what you look like. Oh, you were six and stuff like that. So that's kind of like what I love to do. And I like to put the girls' ages on the, the photo. So so you're not having to go, well, in 2020, how old were you? So boom, they can just figure it out. So I just think that's a great thing to do. It's super fun and it's not super expensive, but take advantage of these free links um, to get, or the links to get the free items. I mean, this is a perfect steal. Um, so I will put the links in the show notes so you, um, you guys can find that. Um, and if you guys subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show, um, it's already in your inbox uh, with the newest episode that comes out every Tuesday. If you don't subscribe, I would do it. It keeps everything easy. I generally only send one email a week. Um, you can go to mominspiredshow.com, enter your name and email. That way it will all be at your fingertips and then you don't have to go searching for it. All right, you guys, let's go to the show. Melissa, thank you so much for coming back on the show today to do the three-part series of Leave No Girl Behind. Thank you, Amber. I'm really excited about this one. So you may remember that I like to ask my guests about their favorite vacation spots. And so I know you've already offered up one vacation spot, but I'm going to still ask you this question because I do like to start off the show with an icebreaker and I love to travel and I want to inspire other moms to travel as well. So I wanted to ask, what is another favorite vacation spot that you have gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Hmm. Actually, you know what? One of the favorite places that my husband and I have really enjoyed is Charlotte, North Carolina. We've been there several times and it's a beautiful, beautiful city, very historic. And uh, we've really enjoyed it there. That's pretty cool. And, you know, uh, I know you'll get into who you are in a minute, but it's funny because you're Canadian and you're telling us, you know, your favorite, one of your favorite places in the United States. (laughs) So I love it. I I was like hoping maybe, maybe a part two, you can give us a, like, um, a Canadian city. (laughs) I'm always like, yeah, I still want to go to Montreal and uh, Vancouver and all that. Yeah. So anyway, you like Charlotte and just because of the historic, is that what you were saying? Yeah, it's beautiful. They have an epicenter down there. Uh, it's the food is amazing. And just the kind of the sights and the sounds and it's a beautiful little city. So uh, we've really enjoyed it there. So it's been really great. And you just recently sent me your vacation planning tool. And I really, really, really enjoyed that. That was a that was a really cool development that you had made. Thank you. I mean, we worked really hard on that. And I mean, I know you that you know that from behind the scenes, because, you know, I would be saying uh, things are crazy. We're trying to get this up and going. And um, yeah, so for those that don't know what uh, we created, it's called the vacation planning tool. And so what it really does is it helps you to be intentional about going on vacations, making memories with your family without going into debt, all before the kiddos leave home. And um, some people I think it's hard because this is audio. So people are like, what is the vacation planning tool exactly? So, well, for a lack of a better, more glamorous word, it is a spreadsheet. So all the numbers people can really start getting excited. But before the rest of the people that do not like spreadsheets and freak out um, and say, this is not for me, I do want to say that it's way more than a spreadsheet. And it's the easiest spreadsheet that you'll ever use uh, all in the same time. So the vacation planning tool, what it does is it's a step-by-step course complete with videos so that we walk you through how to plan your dream vacation, plus a ready-for-you spreadsheet. You can plug in important dates like your birthdays, your anniversaries and stuff. 
the money details, and then turn I wish into this is actually happening. So you guys, if you are interested in finding out more information, you can go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash vacation planning tool. So let's jump into this. Um, You know, before we even get going on the Leave No Girl Behind series, if you haven't listened to our other six-part series, Cultivating Your Village, make sure to download those as well. It starts with episode 36, and I feel like listening to those will help you understand yourself better and what friendships uh, you know, should look like in your own life. And I feel like many times we have to look at ourselves first and then think, are we doing what we would want our daughters to do? So make sure to check that out as well if you haven't. And we are going to jump in and I'm going to have Melissa just share with us a little bit about herself if you do not know who she is. So Melissa, if you can share where you're from, how many kids you have and how you got to where you are today. Well, uh, we I'm Canadian. I live in a, a city just outside of Toronto, Hoodlandi, which most, most people understand where Toronto is. Uh, and I have two young daughters. Uh, they are six and 10, just recently turned six and 10. And I am a writer. Uh, I write for uh, a few different really cool platforms. Uh, I write for our church and I write for a couple international women's um, organizations, which is uh, super amazing to see some international work, raising up women leaders all over the world. And I kind of stumbled into being a writer and a speaker. Uh, It was not really the plan that I had for my life, but it was the plan that God had set for me. And so it's been several years working at this and working in women's ministry. And I have to say it's, it's a challenge and, um, but it's a good challenge. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. It's amazing to be in a position where you get to learn so many different stories from so many different women and how alike we really are. Uh, and so I, I feel very privileged to do what I do. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like this is why I love having you come on to do the Cultivating Your Village series. And now we're doing the Leave No Girl Behind series because you are around so many women and moms and you get to hear all the things that are going on where other people may not have that privilege and have that experience. So this is why it's good for us to pick your brain. So that kind of leads me into if if you guys haven't listened to Cultivating Your Village, Melissa did touch on Leave No Girl Behind during that time. But if you haven't listened to that, how about you share with us where that all came from? Leave No Girl Behind came from uh, an experience uh, that was just an everyday, ordinary experience around my house. We live in a neighborhood that's full of uh, young families. And I have two daughters and we have lots and lots of little girls that live in our neighborhood. And my daughter, my eldest daughter was having a play date. It started just a few years ago. She was having a play date with a friend and they were upstairs playing and the doorbell rang. And there was another little girl standing on the front stoop on the front porch. And my daughter had this moment of panic that went over her face. Because here was her friend standing on the front porch wanting to see her, but she already had another friend from the neighborhood in the house who was playing. And so my daughter went and answered the door and this little girl asked her to play. And my daughter just turned and looked at me in this panic. And she said, well, I I already have a friend over playing. And I could visibly see like three or four different emotions go over this little girl's face standing at the door. And it was one of those light bulb moments, one of those God moments, I would call it. And I recognized that this was a make it or break it moment for this little girl. 
And I turned to my daughter and I said, hey, Avery, in this house, we leave no girl behind. And I opened the door and that little girl came in and she took off her shoes and the three of them ran off and they played. And I just knew right then and there that this was something that I needed to cultivate in my home. I needed to teach my daughters that this was a motto that we were going to stand by. And so I taught both my girls, leave no girl behind. And we've had that motto for the last, as I said, last few years. And we're kind of at this place where it's kind of morphed into leave no kid behind. Uh, there's a few little boys in the neighborhood uh, who like to come over and they like to play and they like to ride scooters um, up and down the street and ride bikes with my daughters. And it's it's just a movement that we've started and it's caught on through the neighborhood. And that was phenomenal to me. Um, and that's kind of where it all began. Yeah. And I like that, you know, obviously that you're including boys. And I do feel like, um, you know, we are talking about daughters today, but obviously we don't want to exclude little boys. I do feel like there is with girls, especially in groups, it's more challenging than with boys. I feel like boys play well in groups because then they can do sports and they just go off and play and they don't have all, you know, the drama that I feel like the girls have. And so that's why we wanted to focus on girls and daughters today. But, um, for sure, we don't want to be like, well, we're just going to forget all about the boys. So um, I, I know that growing up that if there was ever uh, three, you know, three girls, there was always going to probably be an issue because one person's always left out, even if they're not intentionally trying to do it. I think it's just a challenge where I feel like when you see three boys playing, I don't really feel like you see it as much. And I could be wrong, but I just feel like I hear that way more in the girls. And I saw it myself growing up that you almost kind of, if you knew there's just going to be only one more person, like if there's two other girls, you're kind of like, uh, like who's going to be the one who's left out. So, um, I wanted you to come up because you, you know, have all this experience and you've talked to so many moms, but also you're a little bit ahead of me. And so, like you just said, you have daughters that are six and 10. I have daughters that are three and six. And so I have not, started to experience this yet personally. And so I feel like for the moms that are like me and they're like, okay, well, I'm not having to deal with this yet. So uh, just know that it's probably coming down the pipeline, most likely, and mm -hmm. that we want to prepare you or just kind of have some ideas for you. And if you are a mom like Melissa or a little bit ahead, you probably have seen this to some degree. And, you know, you may be struggling with this and just trying to figure out what to do. So this is why we thought this would be great for both of us to kind of come in because we're at two different stages, but not too far apart. And yeah. I wanted to say too, that I feel like, um, and you can agree with this or not, Melissa, that third grade, I don't know what it is. There's like this huge target <laughs> that says third grade, this is one is, for us in the United States is going to be really bad for homework. And two, the drama is going to start happening mainly in third grade. Like it's not to say that it hasn't started yet, but it's like, I don't know, everybody I kind of talk to, they're like, oh my gosh, like third grade is so bad. And so what is your thoughts? <laughs> I have lots of thoughts. First of all, I appreciate what you said. I have a philosophy called three steps. And so I really believe uh, as women that we need to, and, and Amber, you've heard me uh, speak on this philosophy 
philosophy before that we have to be holding out our hand to grab the hand of the woman who's three steps ahead of us. Yes. Yep. While we're holding our hand behind us, holding on for dear life to the woman who's three steps behind us. And we're a constant chain and we are learning and growing from one another. So I do an incredible amount of field research when I'm, you know, studying and I'm getting ready for a speaking engagement or we're developing original content for your, for your uh, podcast. And a field research to me is I could be that mom that comes up and sits next to you on the park bench. And I just start talking to you and I start asking you questions. And I will talk to random strangers. I will go to professionals, people who have been uh, working in, in the area of children. Uh, I have gone to pastors. I've gone to teachers. This is, you just ask anyone and everyone for their experience. Third grade is a it's a peak. So I actually talked to my daughter's third grade teacher, who is a lovely woman. She has been teaching for third grade for about 20 years. And she is the one who schooled me. And she had told me that third grade, about eight years old for girls, is when it peaks. And we've put um, a label on it in our culture called tween. We all, we've all heard this now. It's the, the time between the adolescent and the teenager, and we have tweens. And around eight years old is when the hormones start going through their bodies. And the hormonal changes begin, and it affects everything from their brains to their bodies and everything in between. And so you're right. It is about eight years old when it starts to peak for girls. What's interesting to me is the concept of frenemies. So is this a new concept or is it just that our culture likes to put labels on things and we've, we've put slapped a label on it and we've called this uh, experience frenemies where the girls have friends yet they're enemies. And what does that look like? And we do like to label our emotions and our feelings so that we have uh, some sort of identity on them. And specifically, we know that human connection begins before birth with an infant. And we can recognize the tone and the pitch of our parents and our parental, uh, our parental unit and, and stuff like that. And we, we turn to it. And, and as babies, we start to recognize that there's a need for this relationship. So we're born with that and we're created for community. You know, we talked a lot about that in our six part series, uh, Cultivating Your Village. And who was that series written for? That series was written and we developed that series for women. So really, we have to understand that leave no girl behind. And what we're talking about are little girls who are going to be women. And we're teaching these little girls now how to cultivate a village around them later. But it begins at this age. And did you know, so you have a three-year-old daughter who's as cute as can be. Oh, thank you. But did you know that psychologically, uh, scientists have determined that this whole concept of mean girls starts around the age of three? Uh, Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, between (laughs) the ages of three to five. And if you really watch your children, you can start to see it a little bit. In the way that, and typically like three years, three years old is when they can start to interact and start to play with, with other children. If you put a bunch of 18 month old, you know, babies in a room, they don't really interact with each other. They just play side by side. They say side by side or they just grab things from one another. But, you know, about the age of three is when the imagination starts to take off. 
And they start to experience emotions, memories. Memories start at that age. They, they remember things. And so uh, as they're developing, you know, they, they've said that it starts in pre-adolescence before the tween years even hit. That's when their personality starts. The personality traits start coming out. And you see it, especially in little girls. I mean, how many times have we uh, watched a three-year-old um, act like her baby doll is her real baby? And we see a nurturing side often come out in these tiny little things. Um, and so we we understand that they are so driven for connection. But how are we shaping that connection when we start seeing it in their development? So early childhood education development researchers, they've developed a term called relational aggression. And it's honestly defined as uh, an alternative aggression is the type of aggression in which harm is caused by damaging someone's relationships or social status. Although it can be used in many contexts among different age groups, relational aggression among adolescents in particular has received a lot of attention. So they've put a label on it and they call it relational aggression. And I just thought that was so fascinating. Aggressive behavior is starting in ages three to five and it tends to be more direct in early adolescence, it starts becoming more and more uh, covert. Uh, what's really interesting is um, you've heard of the movie called Mean Girls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who hasn't, who yeah. of us has not seen that right. movie? And yep. ironically, it, it happened to be on a network the other night and mm. they were airing it. And yeah. so I sat down and I watched it and I was like, the, the timing for this to come on again, just as a kind of a refresher. And it's an interesting movie. Um, because it's ba- it's a caricature, really. They've taken this this concept of relational aggression and they've made a caricature out of it into into a movie that absolutely became a cultural icon. This is a movie that's going to be uh, in the realm of like The Breakfast Club and you know those movies that that will stick with us. Well, of our generation, that's the movie that's going to stick with us, and it's kind of sad. When that entire movie is about putting yourself up on the social status and bringing others down uh, in order to to make ourselves feel better and to give ourselves power and control. Uh, Relational aggression is is something that I see quite often. Having a 10-year-old daughter, uh, (laughs) it's probably on a daily basis. Uh, that I encounter a conversation about it, something that's happened at school, something that's happened on the street, something that's happened with a friend, even something that's happened. She's coming home with secondhand information of things that have happened to other girls mm. on the playground, right? So it's like the mm-hmm. game telephone. Yeah. Uh, and so this is, uh, this happens all the time. Now, I don't know about you, but as a mom of a six year old and a 10 year old, I've been able to identify that I have one of each. I have one daughter, my eldest daughter, who couldn't say anything bad about anybody. She just doesn't have it in her. She's sensitive and she constantly thinks of other people's feelings. 
every teacher that she's ever had has said to me, Avery is the type of child who sticks up for the underdog. She picks, it was actually her third grade teacher who told me that she will find the one student in the classroom that doesn't have a friend. Aww. And she will try her very hardest Aww. to be kind to that person. That's so sweet. It is very sweet. Now, tone and tone of voice is something that I've had to work on with her. And I think that it'll be a lifelong process. Uh, no child is perfect. No person is perfect. And so sometimes when Avery feels hurt or she's experienced relational aggression, tone of voice is something that comes out in her uh, that can seem aggressive in retaliation. And it's a way of, of her defending herself. And sometimes her tone of voice and her words and her actions don't always meet eye to eye. Well, and Melissa, before you move on to your second daughter, I just want to say that it's really great that you're even admitting that there's you have two different types, right? Because I feel like as parents, it's very easy to be like, well, my my kids are great, right? They're never <laughs> causing the problem. But when you look at bullies, right? They obviously have parents. And some of those parents, you may go, well, that makes sense to why they're bullies. But you know that there's parents out there that they are mortified that this behavior is going on. They didn't raise them to be like this. And so I feel like it's, it, I want to challenge the moms out there to think about your kid's personality, even if, even if they can be nice and kind, are they, do they have a tendency to manipulate? Do, um, are they, um, charmers, right? And so mm -hmm. in the way that they're trying to get their own way. And so you may not see that like when they're at the house. Well, you may see that with their siblings. So that's probably a good sign to see like how they interact with the sibling. Most likely they're going to act like that with the kids. And so I do love that you're bringing this up and I'll let you um, talk about, um, you know, your second daughter in a second, but I just want everyone to kind of think about it. Cause I think it's really easy to think about, Oh, my kids, I don't want them to be the victim. I don't want them to be a victim. I don't want them to be on that side, but are you really thinking that they could potentially be on the other side and to also prepare your mind for that as well? So I'm glad that you brought that up. So go ahead and, and share with us, um, you know, your, your second daughter. Well, it's, it's interesting because uh, my youngest daughter, who's just turned six, and this is something that since we started developing this series months and months ago, uh, <laughs> something that's really come to the forefront for me, that's really, that my eyes have really been open to. Um, my youngest daughter has an incredible heart. She really does. She has a beautiful heart. Uh, we've realized that gifts is her love language and she loves to give. Uh, the funny thing is, is she doesn't like to share. So uh, she has a real issue. She, she'll give from the heart, but she won't share from a good place within her. And she is someone who struggles with relational aggression. Now, hers isn't so sneaky and manipulative. What I've had to realize about my younger daughter, which has caused a lot of tears on my end, uh, a lot of sitting on the floor, cross-legged, uh, trying to control my own emotions, having very deep conversations with this small child who has, you know, two missing front teeth and and still all the the baby fat in her cheeks. That uh, she has the she is almost as if she was born with this deep seated need to be recognized, and she has this fear, this innate fear of being left out. And I don't know where it's come from. And I have gone to, I have gone to the moms who 
are three steps ahead of me who've had children like my children. And I've said, teach me your ways because I don't want to miss something. And if I miss something really important and this behavior comes out later and it's too late for me to try to correct it or fix it or help her through it, then I have no one to blame but myself. And it's a lot of reassuring. This is what I was told. Uh, It's a lot of lying with her at night, even for, you know, three, four minutes when her window is open and saying to my daughter, you are a very important part of this family. I see you. You were chosen to be the baby sister. She's had moments where she said to me, mom, you must love Avery more than me because you picked her first. Mm. I went into an American girl doll store and I picked out Avery from a box and I, cho- and I, that's not the way that it works. Mm. And so that was me recognizing this child has a need that I have to, um, fill for her until I can teach her, uh, where that true fulfillment needs to come from. And it's my job as her mother so that she's not an aggressor later in life, uh, trying to climb her way to the top to, f- to filling that need inside of her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I have one of each and I really feel that it was, uh, they're a gift and it's really opened up my eyes, uh, to who I am as a person and how I function as a woman and, and what my own needs are. Um, so uh, what I've, uh, developed for this three part series is it's the three R's. And so as we're wrapping up this episode, um, I want to leave you with the first R which is reveal. And we need to be able to sit with our children, to sit with our girls and have conversations. And I'm not talking long drawn out, you know, a 45 minute talk before dinner. Um, I, I am talking about just those little snippets of moments when you see a teachable opportunity come up for you as a mom. And we need to reveal to our daughters what their emotions really are. We experience things such as jealousy, anger, sadness, joy, happiness, anxiety. Anxiety is a big one. I have a kid who struggles with anxiety. Fear. You know, my youngest daughter struggles with this fear of always being left out. If I can actually put the label on them and reveal to my daughters what it is that they're feeling in the moment, it gives them credibility to feel it. I remember not that long ago, um, my, my youngest daughter was, was crying and she was having one of those, um, you know, preschooler meltdowns where they're still, they're, they're not quite big enough to handle their emotions, but they're not a wee little, little toddler anymore. And you know, when they're just, they're tired and they're, they're overwhelmed and they're feeling so many things at once. She was just having this meltdown, but she was having this meltdown with my husband. And he's, he's kind of at a loss sometimes, uh, as how, how to deal with all the emotions. And so he had told her that she needed, uh, to kind of get a handle on herself. And in her tears, she turns to my husband and she's just, she's just bawling. And she said, mom said, it's okay for me to have emotions. And that was her (laughs) response to my husband. And, and, Wow. It's kind of cool that my six-year-old can recognize and remember it's okay that I'm feeling this way. 
it's what I do with those emotions that are the, it's the cause and effect, right? Yeah. So we need to reveal to them the cause of why they're acting the way they're acting. And are you, are you acting this way because you're jealous of what, of what this other girl has or what this other girl did? Are you fearful of being left out? And so that's why you're, you're acting out towards someone else. Do you have anxiety? Are you anxious about something that's happening and, uh, and you're not really sure what to do about it. And so Amber, like, I think our first line of defense is revealing. It's just, it's putting the labels on these feelings and asking those questions, uh, you know, with our kids, you know, when so-and-so did that, or when so-and-so said that, how did it make you feel inside? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And do you feel like it's hard, right? Because you're just trying to, as moms, just trying to figure out the best route to go with all of this. And mm-hmm. you do have multi- multiple personalities in your children. So then you have to, um, we talked about this in Cultivating Your Village. We talked about love languages, right? So yeah. it's like, <clears throat> same with their personalities. And actually we at, at our church, and I'm actually going to have an Enneagram coach on, and um, there's nine different numbers and it's very fascinating. And so I'm a two with, I think, a strong wing of three. If none of this makes sense, you guys can hang on and I will do a podcast on this because it's very fascinating to figure out what um, what you're it's, it's not just about your strengths. It shows too, like what your darkness of your personality is. And everybody's always like cringing as they're looking at it. They're like, oh, like, oh, I don't want to be that. Like, and you feel totally exposed. But I, the great thing is, especially with your kids, if you can figure out what their Enneagram number is, it's it, it really shows you like, wow. Like, so some, some people may deal with, they don't, they want to feel safe. And some feel like, they don't ever want to feel unloved or unwanted. So I was kind of thinking um, your youngest could possibly be a two. But what I'm just trying to say is as much information as you can understand about your kids, if it be love language, personality traits and all that, I feel like it will help you be a little bit more scientific with how to approach them versus just kind of walking around in the dark and just hoping for the best that you're shooting in the right place. And so because obviously what you do with your youngest is not necessarily going to be what your oldest needs. And so and same with my kids. And I talked about that in Cultivating Your Village. My oldest is very quiet and very in her head. And my other my other one is super like talkative. And I mean, it's just kind of shocking because I started with this shy one. And then I'm like, whoa, like, so this is what a three-year-old looks like when they talk and stuff. So um, I do want to encourage moms to kind of have an idea and really pay attention to the personalities of their kids and and figure out what would be the best route for them um, to, you know, talk about these things. Because one child may be like, I don't need you laying in my bed telling me that, you know, you're wanted, right? Like some, some kids may be like, I know I'm wanted, like, I don't need that assurance. And so where the other ones desperately might need that. So I feel like that's great. (laughs) Melissa, as we wrap up, I do want to um, leave the group with one thing that moms could possibly do um, to kind of help them right now. Like if they're feeling a little bit like, oh my gosh, so my kids are a little bit older than Melissa's and I feel like I've dropped the ball. What is one easy step that you can leave them with that they could go and do today to feel a little bit better about the situation? That's a really good question. I guess for the for the moms who who are a little bit farther ahead uh, than we are, I would probably take your experience and share it with another mom who's three steps behind you. 
I would just be open and vulnerable about kind of what you've been through uh, and, and seek an opportunity to pour into somebody else. Sharing our story is something that we we need to do. And it's something that each and every one of us want to do. We want a safe place to be able to do it. I, I would, I would say reach to the woman who's three steps behind you and help her along, help her learn from your mistakes and learn from your triumphs too. I think every mom needs to realize that you have not, we've all made mistakes, but we've all had a lot of wins and we need to focus on the wins and let the mistakes go. Um, remember what your wins were and share them with someone else. That's great. Well, as we wrap up, I just want to remind you guys, um, you can go to the Mom Inspired Show Facebook group and we will be there and feel free to share any stories with us or ask any questions because we would love to hear from you. Melissa, thank you so much for coming back on the show and we will see you next week for part two. And there you have it. You guys, thank you so much for listening to the show and I will see you next week.